there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Welcome to this edition of the Bike Radar podcast, where today I'm joined by technical editor Tom Marvin and MBK staff writer Will Soff. Soph, Will Soph. Oh my God, Will, I'm so sorry. That's all right. That's all right. Easy mistake to make. It is. So how are you doing today, Will? Uh, very well, thank you. Yeah, enjoying uh, recording some of these Bike Radar podcasts. Great. And how, how are you, Tom? I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all good. Great. And for reference, uh, me, I, I'm Alex Evans, uh, also one of Bike Radar's technical editors, along with Tom. So today we're going to be talking about, or Will is going to be telling us, because he is a bit of a, an expert on this matter um, with his, his past uh current and maybe even future jobs, um, and it's how to get the most out of your mountain bike. Now, a lot of people, they think that just going out and spending inordinate amounts of money on their bike is the best way to get the most out of their riding experience. Now, I think I'm pretty safe in saying that um, we all kind of disagree with that to a certain extent. Um, but Will is going to come to us with some really good examples of what you, dear listener, can do to improve your bike's performance. Should we just um, give some context to the little bit you just said about Will? Um, let's let's blow Will's trumpet for a minute here. Will uh, is an expert when it comes to setting up bikes. He's worked on uh, his work with British Cycling, been up to World Cups to help with uh, the team's bikes. Uh, he's also worked with some coaching companies to help with bike setup and coaching as well. Um, plenty of experience. And is also a very accomplished downhill racer uh, in his own right as well. Um, and also, I think, recently won at the Mulvans. Well done, Will. What did you win? Was it the whip-off or the four-cross? Or... Oh, I definitely didn't win the whip-off. There was some no. stiff competition there. Uh, I managed to take the win. Winning... Or, or not stiff. Fluid oh, competition. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. Uh, um, I I did win the dual slalom, and I came fourth overall in the downhill, which was good enough nice. for the elite win. But I was only half a second behind Nicky Wiles, so I was I was very happy with that. A South Wales fast boy. Great. Okay, so with Will's credentials, they're truly shored up into the archives of history. And also making Tom and I feel incredibly uh, inadequate. I mean, my my setup and mechanical abilities are next to zero, um, so I could probably learn quite a lot from Will. 
Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Mine involve hammers mostly. Mm. Um, if you can't be hit with a hammer, it's broken. Uh, and if you have hit it with a hammer, it's also probably broken. Um, anyway, let's start at the very beginning. What would you say are the most fundamental things that people should do to get the most from their mountain bike, regardless of cost? Okay, so whether your bike's £50 or 50000 it's always good to have everything in good condition and good working order. So whether this is something you're doing yourself or getting it to the local bike shop, before you even start, make sure it's in good condition. So check your spokes are tight and your wheels and that they're true. Uh, check that your brakes aren't spongy. You're going to need to make sure you've got plenty of life left in those tires and your brake pads. And then basic things like make sure all your bolts are tight, make sure your grips are securely attached to the bars so they're not spinning around. And these are all like safety issues and they're all things that you're going to have a really difficult time on the trails if they're not done. And in terms of setup, in terms of making sure your bolts are tight, it doesn't cost any money, it just costs your time. And if you're not confident with any of it, just take it to your local bike shop and these are things that they're guaranteed to be able to sort out for you. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you can imagine a scenario where you've not ridden your bike for a few weeks, maybe, you know, however long it's been, and you reel out of your van or car at the local trail center to you, or maybe one that you've actually traveled quite a long way to get to. Um, and these are the essential things that you need to do in the very first instance, just to make sure that you're going to be able to get to the tops of the trailheads or actually be able to ride the bike around. Because if your brake pads are worn out, you're not stopping. If your tires have got no tread, you're not going to grip. And if they're low in air, you're going to get punctures. And if your bolts are loose, your bits and bobs are going to fall off, right? Absolutely. So Nobody you, wants their bits and bobs falling off. No, you want them, them tightly secured. To, uh, to the correct <laughs> torque specifications. Yes, indeed. Um, so that kind of brings me on my next point, which is tyre pressures. So you're going to get a lot of people giving you lots of different advice on Higher tyre pressures make your bike roll faster, which it does, and lower tyre pressures give you more grip, which they do. So what you're going to have to do is find a happy medium between those two things. And that depends on all sorts of things like what kind of trails you're riding, um, what size your wheels are makes a difference, uh, how much you weigh and what tyres you have, how wide your rims are. So there is no right or wrong tyre pressure. You've just got to get into that correct ballpark. It's all about um, experimenting with tyre pressures, isn't it? You know, you go out for a ride. If they're too low, they're going to feel like real squidgy. They might start rolling, feeling inaccurate, not very nice. If you've got too much air in there, they're going to be pinging off things. They're going to feel like a little bit sketchy, maybe. Um, and so getting out there with a pressure gauge uh, and trying out different pressures, see what works for you on your trails and your tyres is, is a really good way of spending an hour or two. It's kind of can be quite fun as well. Yeah, just to add to what Tom's saying there, like there are ways that you can tell if your pressures are too low or too high. Um, if your bike feels like it's bouncing off the floor and you're not getting traction, then your tyre pressures are probably too high. Whereas if you can feel the tyres rolling and squirming underneath you when you're cornering, they're probably too low. So pay attention to those two things. And as Tom says, experiment and write down what your pressures are, go up for another run, perhaps tweak them by just one or two PSI, and then try again. 
it's always surprising just how much a single PSI or two can actually make to a difference of a field of, of a tire. And certainly, uh, the wider the tires, the bigger difference a smaller change in pressure seems to make. Like when we've been riding, you know, plus tires a few years ago, or even like fat bikes, like literally one PSI can completely change the feel of a tire of a of a bike. And that, that's for the better or worse. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Cool. Okay. Um, Tom, what kind of what do, what do you reckon would be next? So, like, you've got tire tire setup, and then what other kind of setup things? And I don't know. I'm asking you, but I'm, I'm guessing Will's probably going to answer that question. <laughs> I mean, I, I, we, we've often said on the podcast that you know tires is and wheels are the most important things to spend some time on. So, just to reiterate, do spend time getting those right. And I know we're sort of talking about how to get the most out of your bike without spending any money. But if you, you know, if you've got a bike that's maybe a little bit friendlier on the pocket, the likelihood is that the tires on there probably aren't going to be the best. Um, and so, yeah, well, we're not saying in this podcast exactly spend money on this, spend money on that. It probably is one of those areas where you do need to spend a bit of money to get the best, the best tires for, for what you're looking to do. And obviously, that will change depending on your kind of riding. You know, a cross country tire is very different to a downhill tire. Um, so there's lots of different things that you're going to need to consider within that. Can we get a bit confusing? Um, but there's some good tire purchasing guides online, even on Bike Radar as well. Um, so just have a bit of a th- read, have a bit of a think, um, and do some research. And decent tires do cost money. So you're looking at probably 45 to 60 quid an end to get like real good tires. And I reckon it's the best place to spend cash. But spend some time getting them set up nice um the other thing that i think we'll, we'll talk about now is probably um getting your cockpit set up uh, and things like saddle height because ultimately if you're spending hours at a time on a bike you've got to make sure it fits you properly absolutely and these are things that are going to be you know free or, or or near enough uh so if you're trying to put more stem spaces underneath or on top of your stem to change your bar height that's not going to cost you a fortune but you're going to see much more uh, in terms of gains from having the correct bar height than you are from having a, a swanky carbon bar or a, a really expensive stem. So yeah, fiddle around, get your cockpit height where you want it. Um, if your bars are too wide, you can cut them down or take them to your bike shop and have them cut down. And these are all things that you can ask advice from your local bike shop, but you can also have setup days uh, with proper mountain bike technicians out on the hill and they're going to going to look at your bike and they're going to look at you and they're going to work out what you need uh, to make the bike ergonomic to you to fit with your particular body shape and your needs so because it's it's, it's the same as tire pressures isn't there there's kind of no right or wrong answer um it just kind of depends on on your personal body type your riding style the trails you're riding your bike etc um, but you know that you can definitely notice when something is wrong with your setup um, because it, it won't feel good. It won't feel good, and it'll be difficult to ride. I was just going to say, yeah, like it, it is personal preference. Like a handlebar height that is too low for one person may be too high for another, and that, as Al says, comes down to body shape, but also comes down to personal preference. If you're someone who likes to hang off the back of the bike, or someone who likes to be particularly aggressive and get over the front. You are going to want a slightly different cockpit set out there. Have we got any pointers on on bar height and, and, and bar width? 
Uh, I mean, I, like if you're if you're sort of quite a bit of a hard charger, you know, maybe not the most subtle uh, riding through things, maybe benefit from a slightly wider bar so you can really sort of muscle your way through the tracks. Whereas maybe for someone who likes to pop up and and jump over things a bit more, maybe some narrow bars will help you get the front wheel up. Is that? Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. And I mean, it, it's definitely something that you can ride around. I mean, if you look to someone like Nino Scherter's bike, obviously he's an amazing descender, but I would look at his handlebar height and go, that is crazy. Like, how does he ride with bars that low? And that's optimised for him in terms of going fast around a cross-country course. But yeah, it must be must be difficult to ride like that. Hmm. So what are the little little tips and tricks have you got with the setup then? So we've got bar height, bar width. What else is there? Uh, well, one you brought up earlier out um, was a really simple one, which was make sure your seat post isn't too high. So if you've got a dropper post, make sure it's set so it's low and out of the way when you're descending. Um, and if it's then not high enough for when you're climbing, you could look at buying a longer dropper post or perhaps having a quick release lever keeping it old school and uh, moving your seat up when you're climbing. Because, I mean, that's one thing you do see quite often at trail centres um, is people climbing with their seat too low um, and they're making their life much harder than it needs to be, right? Mm, absolutely, yeah. I guess, I mean, saddle heights obviously, again, are quite a personal thing on, on how you feel on the bike, but getting even a few millimetres of change can make a huge difference physiologically to how you fit on the bike. And, you know, you even see people with the saddle just that little bit too high. You know, they're overextending their legs a bit. Hips are rocking when they're pedaling. Um, and it's just, it, it leads to a lot of lower back issues, uh, especially. I, I find sometimes if I'm riding, um, you know, on a, on a new test bike and I haven't quite got the saddle at the right height, even though it feels fine for pedaling, after 20 minutes, half an hour, I might start getting a little bit of backache at the lower end. Um, and just a few mil change, either up or down, tends to actually sort that out. Um, I've got my, my little trick for setting up my saddle height is I put the uh, saddle in my armpit uh, and then reach down to the cranks and the first knuckle of my middle finger, if that's over the crank axle, that for me is pretty much bob on the right height. Um, so I was going, you know, you go on a bike launch and especially some of the brands, they're very like into their setup. If you've got a bit more of a roadie thing, they're like, oh, how, what millimetre is your is your saddle height set? And I'm like, um, from my armpit to my middle finger. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Works for me. But, you know, if you've got um, a, a saddle height and, and, you know, saddle four and a half position that works for you, either make a note of it or try and find like a little trick to, to keep it consistent if you are moving on to another bike or having to take your seat post out and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, Absolutely. And uh, you're seeing lots more people doing bike fit, uh, predominantly for road riding. Um, but the reason that it is more commonly seen in road riding is because there's hours sat in the saddle um, mm. in the same position. Whereas for mountain biking, we tend to move around more. But that's not to say that the saddle position isn't important on a mountain bike. Um, it's just getting it right for climbing. And then it's also a compromise because perhaps you want it out of the way on the descent. So, uh, yeah, as Tom says, definitely worth putting some time into that. This um, podcast kind of ties, you know, if, you, if you're a road cyclist and you're listening to this and you're wondering kind of what we're talking about or whether there's something more relevant to road bikes. Um, in mid-September, uh, myself and Warren did a podcast on sort of the best upgrades you can do for your road bike. And one of those things was uh, bike fit. Um, it costs about 100 to 200 quid. 
but probably one of the best ways to spend some money on a road bike rather than dropping hundreds of pounds on some deep section carbon wheels or whatever makes a huge difference, really important. The other thing that um, I thought worth noting while we're talking about bike setup um, and your position of the body over the bike is cleats uh, on if you're riding clipless. Um, now, I know you two both tend to ride flat pedals. Flats for life. Yeah, flats for life, same. Yeah, I don't own a pair of clips, so. <laughs> so if you, if you ride adult pedals like myself, <laughs> um, getting the cleat position right in your shoes is really important again. And there's always, again, like a bit of a trade-off going on. Traditional thinking or more cross-country thinking tended to have cleats a little bit further forward um, to give like right under the ball of the foot to give that really, in inverted commas, like efficient pedaling position brought over from the road side of things. Um, but this kind of tends to leave you sort of um, on tiptoes on your pedals. And maybe it is efficient, maybe it isn't, I don't know. But and you certainly sit with more traditional cross-country shoes, they have quite a short cleat channel. There's a lot more shoes now where the cleat channel extends further back. And especially if you're looking at sort of trail and enduro shoes, and personally, I would always have the cleats as far back as possible. Gives you a much more stable uh, feel over the pedals, um, helps you drive pressure through your feet, um, and just keeps everything a bit more comfortable when you're descending. Fabulous. Fabulous. Mm. Fabulous. Okay, well, what's next then? Okay, so next, if you've been listening this far, uh, congratulations. So you've managed to get through all the basics. So now the one that everyone seems to ask about for mountain biking, which is suspension setup. So if I had one top tip to give uh, to everyone out on the trails, the most important thing you can do is set your sag. So if you've got a hard tail, obviously it's just going to be the fork. If you've got a full suspension, even more important, get your sag. So your spring pressure set up correctly so that you have the right amount of sag. So you're looking at about 25% sag for the front fork, so between 20 and 25%, and about 30% sag for the rear shock, so say 25 to 30%. And once you get that set, your bike is going to sit in the right place when you're descending or when you're in that attack position ready to ride, and that is really crucial. So spend a bit of time doing that, um, if you're not sure how to do it, go down to your local bike shop. It's something that you can do in the shop. You don't need to go to the trails. You don't need anyone to see you ride. The sag is something you can set in the car park or at the bike shop. So that is top tip, well worth spending some time on. And what, what, what sag basically does is that when you've weighted the bike with you, you know, when you're standing on it, the suspension will compress under your weight to a certain point to the, you know, the percentages that Will said. And what that means is that the wheels can extend into bumps and it can make it, can, it basically provides more grip, makes it smoother, um, and means that the suspension is working correctly and is set up for your weight. And you'll find that, you know, if your bike has been set up too hard, it will transform it into a lovely, plush feeling, incredibly comfortable ride over like chattery surfaces. If it's set up too soft and is too wallowy and bouncy all over the place, suddenly it will feel much more taut and sprightly. Um, and it, it is genuinely one of the most important things you can do. There's there's also quite a lot of chat. You know, suspension setup seems to be this mythical, difficult thing. You know, people can get very nerdy with it, talking about progressive this, digressive that, you know, volume spaces, X, Y, Z. And it can, 
I guess, feel a little bit overwhelming. Um, but the basics of suspension setup are actually pretty simple. Um, back in 2019, myself and Seb did a podcast um, on mountain bike suspension. And we talked a little bit about setup in there. Um, if you search for Bike Radar Tech Talk podcast, episode two, mountain bike suspension, you'll find it. But also if you head to Bike Radar's YouTube channel, Seb did, uh, who sadly now with Pinkbike, uh, did a, an excellent um, couple of videos. Seb's easy seven-step guide, how to set up mountain bike suspension and stuff. So have a little Google on that. Um, and they're really simple, easy to follow steps to get your suspension working really nicely. Cool. And I was just going to say, uh, a secondary consequence of setting your sag properly is it actually changes the geometry of your bike. So if you're running too much sag, you can find that your bottom bracket is too low and you can actually clip pedals on the floor. And conversely, if you're running your spring pressures too hard, your bottom bracket will be higher than the manufacturer intended and the bike won't corner and ride the way it was designed to, so it will feel less stable. So there's a whole host of reasons why you want to get that sag, that spring pressure set correctly. And uh, also worth adding that if you're not fortunate enough or if you've actively chosen to have um, a coil sprung rather than air sprung fork or shock, usually there are different weight springs sold aftermarket. Um, so it'll be worth looking into which weight coil spring you have currently fitted. And if you need it to be softer, then you buy a lighter weight one. If you need it to be heavier, you buy a heavier weight one. Mm. Um, okay, so on to the next bit, which is pro setup so these are like the super duper halo things that you could be doing to make your bike as fast as professional bike riders can, can we just go back ever so slightly because oh rewind oh no we blew our load that's all right sorry uh perhaps i was a bit slow in uh, in in coming on to this so the next thing after you set your spring pressure which is always the first thing to set is your damping. So your compression and rebound damping. You may also find that your fork and shock has high and low speed compression and rebound. Now, you could easily do a podcast series on just this, but I think, yeah, it's hard to, hard to prioritize exactly what you'd need. But to break it down, your, your high speed compression and rebound is the high frequency movements that the shock's going to go through so high shaft speed for the fork or the shock and then your low speed compression is more the oil bleeding past the the shims in the shock to control those low frequency oscillations so that could be going over a, a bump or a crest or going round a berm or coming up the takeoff of a jump so very important to get those set up those things are more difficult to set up than your sag so it's worth spending some time on the trail either looking at that yourself or hiring a professional to go out with you and watch you ride and they'll be able to give you some good tips yeah absolutely and it's certainly worth also saying that quite a lot of people may not actually have um, sophisticated dampers on their bikes with multiple types of um, compression adjustment or rebound adjustment um, so, you know, before you go ahead and start twiddling knobs on your bike, make sure that the adjusters that you've got um, do what you want them to do. So your compression adjuster may just be a lockout lever, in which case you don't want to be increasing the amount of compression adjustment you have 
um, for the downhills because you'll just be locking your forks out or your shock out. Yeah, that's definitely a good tip. Yeah, learn learn what your forks do. Go back to the instruction manual and uh, yeah, work out what the dials do. Uh, and then the final part of adjusting your suspension is tuning how progressive they are. So if you've got an air spring, there may be an option to add volume spaces to your fork or shock in order that the spring rate becomes progressively harder during that compression of, of the fork or shock. Um, and that's kind of a final stage of tuning that you can do. And then on to what Alex just talked about, which is the pro setup stuff. So what have you got for us, Will? Well, a lot of the pros are very particular about having a quiet bike. And there's many different things you can do in order to make uh, a mountain bike uh, quieter. And there are various articles online. Um, a lot of them involve either Velcro or grip tape or buying something specific in order to stop your chain or cable slapping around. Um, so there's a company called S. I think it's STFU, is that right? Yeah. STFU bike, that's it. And uh, they make various things which can, can quieten down your bike and keep your chain from escaping and knocking on things it shouldn't be. Um, yeah. And yeah, the, the, the key places for that are your chain stay, because your chain's going to want to attack that. Um, also around your chain guide, if you run one, so... You can put some uh, some Velcro loops there or some road bike grip tape. Uh, if you've got cables, you can join them together so that you can stop them rattling around. Uh, if you've got a clutch mech on your bike, make sure the clutch is, is tightened. Shimano and other manufacturers allow you to tighten that clutch, but SRAM doesn't. So that's a good tip. Have you guys got any quietening down your bike tips? Um, I mean, if, if for the cost conscious amongst you, um, instead of buying an STFU chain damper or a VHS tape or marsh guard um, slapper tape, marsh guard slapper tape, um, you could just go down to your local hardware store and get some mastic um, sticky tape, which is like an essentially a, a stretchy rubberized tape that, that sticks to stuff like something else, mm. sticks to something else a lot. Um I'm not sure. I'm not sure I want to say the naughty words. And we um, have to put an explicit warning yes. on our podcast if we say things like shit. So we Oh, you just not. did it. Oh <laughs> no. Like 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 the proverbial to a carpet. Um so yeah, you can put that on your chain stay, you can put that on your um the lower half of your seat stay. Um also if you have internally rooted cables, um definitely make sure that they're not rattling inside mm. the frame. Um and if they are, see if you can secure the entry and exit point so that the cable is taut inside the frame and then it's much less likely to slap. Best way to avoid that is uh, SRAM's access. <laughs> Wireless. It might be the best way, but guaranteed. certainly isn't the cheapest. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Trek uh, on the Slash uh, had like a, a, a special cable guide where you could loop a zip tie through the frame round all of your cables in the down tube and then zip them tight against the down tube. That was quite effective. There have been some smart little um, internal cable routing tricks, um, you know, ones where they're properly clamped to either end, or Canyon did a lovely thing with the, is it the Strive at the Spectral, although not on the latest ones, where they made like a, an exterior channel and then put a, a little cover or a shroud over that. So it looked like it was internal, but it was actually external and 
a lot more easy to work on. Well, they're going to be very good uh, friends with any bike mechanics because, uh, yeah, internally yeah. sleeved cables or uh, any way that allows bike mechanics to be able to recable a bike without having to fish around inside with with spokes and things like that. Yeah, they'll be very popular. Cool. Okay. Um, unless anyone has any other ideas, I think that's probably the extent of our uh, what you can do to get the most out of your mountain bike without spending fortunes. Yeah. Ooh, have I we think... done the grip tape on the on the levers on your shifter levers? That's pretty pro. Oh yeah, yeah. Put grip tape on your um, shifter levers, and even That's on pretty pro. on the brake levers as well. Uh, it just gives you a little bit extra grip in the wet. Um, it's kind of a downhillish trick, wasn't it? Well, if you're a, a downhill racer and you're doing a winter series race, you may have seen uh, a few years ago there was a trend of cutting tires up and sticking them on your saddle. So if your trousers and your saddle were caked with mud. You didn't slide off the back of the seat. That was pretty clever. And then, mm. uh, yeah, you can get some aggressively textured saddles now. Didn't Tioga do one, which basically had some tyre tread moulded into the, uh, the cover of the saddle? Yeah, I think they did. And SDG did Is some it Tioga well. or SDG? SDG, yeah. yeah. And then finally, the final one I had out was uh, Moto Foam. So this is oh, open yeah. cell foam, uh, much like you'd get uh, inside the fuel tank on a racing car. So it wouldn't work very well as a kitchen sponge because it doesn't soak up water. And the whole point of that is to keep mud out of the various orifices in your frame so that although your bike may not be lighter at the start of a run, when it's all clean, it will be lighter at the bottom because you've got some nice lightweight open cell foam in the gaps of your frame instead of heavy mud. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Blimey. We're going to be going away this evening and... uh screwing away at our bikes to get some incremental performance gains <laughs> so that Tom could win another another race or two. Did we mention that yet? I actually won a race at the weekend. Not in this podcast. No. Oh, no, yeah, I actually yeah. won a race at the weekend yeah. Yeah. on my hardtail. Yeah, there you go, in the hardtail category. Well, you don't yeah, need any hardtail then. category. Yeah. I didn't win the overall. Yeah. <laughs> Your bike's already working as well as it as well as well it needs to for you to win. So there It we certainly are. is. Maybe your competitors could uh, use some closed cell phone. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, guys. Um, and hopefully, dear listeners, if you're still here with us, um, some of those tips might actually help you, whether you're a beginner or an expert rider, um, to get out on the trails, have more fun and, and ride your bike um, either more competently or faster or with more enjoyment. Um, so thank you very much, Will. Thank you very much, Tom. Thank, thank you. An absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bye.